0: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply.
1: or online at victoriasecret.com.
2: Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an easy-breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with easy-breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. Hey,
0: everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call.
3: Hey Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is Snag and visit snagtights.us today.
4: Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio.
5: Hello, and welcome to the final episode of body snatching season here on Criminalia, where we've been exploring the stories of some of the most infamous body snatchers and the anatomists many of them supported throughout history. I'm Maria Tremorke.
4: And I'm Holly Fry. When we started Criminalia, we were curious if some historical crimes might look different with a little bit of distance on the timeline. In this season, it very quickly became clear that there were a few reasons that people were getting into the body business, but there were really two primary reasons that people illegally snatched bodies. One, people secretly exhuming and stealing bodies from graves and then selling those corpses to physicians, teachers, and scientists for research at medical schools. That wasn't a particularly strange thing throughout the 18th and 19th centuries, There was no legal means of supply for those corpses, and many schools, it seems, paid quite well for fresh bodies. And two, people secretly
5: snatched bodies because maybe you could get something for it? Such as ransom money for a celebrity or a presidential body, or maybe even to secure a get-out-of-jail-free card for a business associate who's locked up in Joliet Penitentiary. Yep, looking at you, Big Jim Canale.
4: Sure, there are stories like that one where crime boss Jim Cannelli used an attempted presidential ransoming as a way to spring one of his criminal associates from prison. His gang did not come out looking better or worse through a modern view, though. They were a group of thugs then, and their story really doesn't look any better now. There's no mitigating circumstance that makes them sympathetic. They weren't true body snatchers, though, either. That was just a convenient scam. Overwhelmingly, though, what this season really had a lot of talk about was the supply and demand for cadavers for medical schools in the U.S. and across the pond. That was kind of this season in a nutshell, wasn't it? The first recorded case of body snatching is attributed to four medical students. That's all the way back in Bologna, Italy in 1319. And we tracked stories of that same activity all the way into the 19th century.
5: And when it came to those who supplied anatomists with corpses, I mean, there were actually just basically two types. The resurrectionists practiced the grisly trade at night, and they were typically well-paid by medical schools for their continual supply of cadavers. And then there were the actual scientists, the anatomists, the surgeons, the physicians at those schools— all of whom were seeking cadavers, and many of whom also were known to steal bodies themselves. Or, at least they did so at some point in their career. Andreas Vesalius and John Hunter, for instance, are two famous names in science, and they dug up the dead. They were anatomists studying the human body, seeking a tool they needed with which to do so. Very specifically, fresh human corpses.
4: Today, those men are known as the father of anatomy and the patron saint of body snatchers, respectively. Vesalius's hands-on work with human cadavers gave us the 16th century groundbreaking book De Humani Corporis Fabrica, a fully illustrated text on the anatomy of the human body. He could not have accomplished that without the use of many, it said more than a dozen at least, human corpses. John Hunter was renowned for his work with cadavers and was involved in the dissection of thousands of bodies. But that study also made him a great surgeon to the living.
5: What it came down to this season is pretty much this. There were a lot of illegal corpses stolen from a lot of cemeteries in the United States and Europe. There's no denying that the illegal and illicit removal of bodies from their graves was a dark practice and one the public was troubled by over centuries because of both religious and moral beliefs. But it also can't be denied that the practice of body snatching is directly tied to the advancements in the study of human anatomy and medicine in the West, including not only an improved understanding of how the human body works, but also in discoveries such as vaccinations, advances in obstetrics, and the detection and treatment of several types of infections. So it's definitely been one of those on one hand, but yet on the other hand, kind of seasons.
4: (laughs) (laughs) If you have not been with us in previous seasons, we have a little tradition. At the end of each season, Maria and I pick our favorite shows and our favorite cocktails and mocktails, And we share those during the final episode. So we're about to do that. But we also want you to tell us about the stories and the drinks you liked best. Tag Criminalia on social media because we would love to know what we have in common. So let's start talking about our top
5: three shows of the season. But we're going to first take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And then we'll jump right in.
1: Escape to Summer with Victoria's Secret.
4: Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store, something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older at <laughs> that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash for 10% off your first order.
2: Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an easy-breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with easy-breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328.
3: Orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us.
4: Your home should be your haven, and everyone wants to feel safe at home. If you travel a lot, it's really important that your home is secure when you're gone and that your pets are also safe. Simply Safe is advanced home security that puts you first. Simply Safe sent me a home security package, and I was really blown away by all the cameras and the quality of them. When I travel, I could check in on my cats anytime, day or night. And I sleep better knowing that once our alarm is set at night, I know that I'll be alerted if anyone tries to enter the house. Safe has been named in U.S. News & World Report's best home security systems for five years running. It's also been ranked best customer service in home security by Newsweek. By partnering with Safe, I've finally gotten real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S I M P L I S A F E.com slash criminalia. There's no safe like simply safe. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's start talking about our top three shows of the season. Maria, you want to kick it off? top three shows of this season. So I actually, I will
5: be honest, when you go back and take a look at a lot of our season, a lot of resurrection, so I... (laughs) yeah, Big Jim is on his own out there. The one that really always stood out to me in this season, just above all the others, was the patron saint of body snatchers. I'm not sure if it's because John Hunter is who I'm talking about, was a patron, was considered a patron saint of body snatching or if it's the fact that he was interested in every single thing in the world. And every time we came across something about this man, it could have been ladybugs or dentistry or femurs or toenails, or it didn't matter what it was. This guy was curious. And he didn't really care what it meant for him to just go get what he needed. I need a scalpel. I need a corpse. I need this. I need to teach my students how to dig up graves. It's very practical for him, almost. This is just what he did. And he was also, and I think this is the second thing that stands out for me, he was the first of the body snatching season where his job was not to be a body snatcher.
4: Yeah, he definitely did not seem the least bit troubled by social mores about what people might find appropriate or not or whether he thought any of it. I don't think any part of him was like, well, I'm desecrating a body. He was just like, I need this for science.
5: I agree with you. And the way that he built his house, where he basically had two houses backed up to each other.
4: I do love that.
5: That right there to me went, he really doesn't care what his neighbors think about the body chute that's in the back of the
4: house on Castle Street. I love that you had dug up that little factoid that his house might have been the inspiration for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I hope that is something that is true because because it's just a cool story. It's brilliant.
5: I'll be 80 years old, and they'll ask me where I live, and I'll probably still say 28 Leicester Square. <laughs> so really like uh, it. <laughs> so, yeah, my first guy on this list was John Hunter, patron saint of body snatching. So, who does that lead us to for you?
4: I'm going a little backwards because my, I think my favorite of the whole season is Andreas Vesalius. Similar to what we were just talking about, with John Hunter. To him, it was like about getting the materials and resources he needed to do his work. But also, I really admire the fact that he did not do any of this in vain. It wasn't like he like floundered around and did this and it. It helped some things and it helped him understand. That he literally wrote so many documents, the huge book, the illustrated yes. companion <laughs> to the huge book. That really moved science and medicine forward so significantly. That's really like one of those, I'll borrow from the space program. It's like a giant leap for mankind. Truly, his unsavory to most people work is what would have saved those same people from various diseases, which I love. (laughs) I couldn't do it. I don't have the wherewithal or constitution to do such things but I'm certainly grateful that other people have done it. The salias certainly <laughs> did.
5: Absolutely. John Hunter, absolutely. I feel there were a few episodes where we did highlight the anatomist or the scientist, and they all had this sense about them where I was like, you must have a lot of hard candy at home because this must not smell very good in your house if you're bringing your corpses there. But they were all very impressive and very well written and very into their research.
4: And I really love that he collaborated with an incredibly skilled artist to do even better drawings than he could do based on his own work. That's a level of dedication that you then realize this really is just because he's trying to expand medical knowledge. Yes, and right. It has nothing to do with any of the <laughs> less than delightful activities that are required to get there.
5: I was going to say the gooey bits involved in the process, but yours is far better. Than-
4: I mean, I also like that he had this conviction in the knowledge he had attained to be like, you know what, Galen wasn't right about everything you got. I thought he was really ballsy for that. That's significant and scientifically heretical at the time.
5: Absolutely. I mean, there'd been, what, uh, 1,300 years had gone by?
4: This is the Bible of medical knowledge. No, we have to question it. We really do. (laughs)
5: Now that we're actually using human bodies, I think we're going to have to change some things.
4: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Who is your next one? Okay,
5: so my next one was, I consider it the none of the above episode of the season. (laughs) I'll explain what I wonder if it's the
4: same as mine, but go ahead. It is
5: the cranioclepti and the time of phrenology. And this one stood out to me just because it was just so very different than everything that we had been talking about. And the talk of phrenology and the talk of the returning Haydn's skull three different times only to have it been rejected three more times. Like, it was an episode that I enjoyed from the beginning to the end. Every single story that we told about those missing or finally maybe reattached skulls, every single one of them was, I thought, a great story to tell. And a lot of them were very, I can't believe that's true. (laughs) And yet it is. So I went from... The patron saint to the pheno- phrenology craze from my one to the other. Basically the opposite sides of the season. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 but that's good. That's what makes them stand out.
5: Exactly. And they, to me, just two big highlights of where we went this season.
4: My second choice is Chris Baker and Grandison Harris.
5: Okay. I almost picked them. I'm glad that you did. Talk about them.
4: I mean, to me, this was just a really important story to tell because we do talk about people like Vesalius who were like driven of their own volition. And we talk about men who were driven by the financial benefit of supplying doctors. But these are two men who did not have a choice in the matter because they were both enslaved. It's an important story to tell. I think those are the stories that get left out of discussions like this a lot of the time. I actually had not known a thing about them or that there had been any Mm -hmm. enslaved resurrection men until we worked on this season. And it really took me aback and made me think about, it's something I try to always think about when talking about history, but like so much of our history is based on the work of people who had no choice in the matter. And that is important to remember when we talk about any advances that were made. The odds are very good any scientific advances, whether they're happening today or happened in the past, they're all building on what came before. But they're also building on the work of people, in this case, who were enslaved and had to do this as part of that. Right. Had to do it. Had to.
5: I always wondered, and there's not very much information about what either of these men really thought about what they, were do- what they did, what they had to do. N- not a lot of quotes from anybody about their job or their work. but. I do recall from this episode being really taken in by two things in particular, being forced to snatch bodies from primarily Black cemeteries and graveyards, not just poor, but specifically, and then being vilified by your own community because you are forced to do it. Yes. Th- I mean This is an amazing story.
4: It is. I also think it got brought up. In that episode where we were talking about it, where one of the writings about this work that they had done was like, you cannot say the things you say about Black people not being the same as, even possibly the same like species as white people, and then say, oh, but those are the ones we are going to dig up and learn from. It's like, no, 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 you can't do that.
5: It was an amazing quote to find and to look at and to to include because if you are under the assumption that we are not the same, then why are we using the wrong thing as a cadaver? It was an interesting quote to include.
4: Slavery as an institution, it often gets discussed as though it was something that was just de rigueur. Mm -hmm. And it never was. From the beginning in... The U.S. in Europe, in, there were always people who were like, I think this is wrong. This is really wrong. You're not supposed to own people. So that makes it that much more jarring when you know that seven members of the faculty of the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta were like, we're going to go in on buying somebody. We'll all own this person. Every time what? I say
5: this word, every time I just want to, mm. we're going to together own a man who will go do this for us, but that episode had to be included. Period.
4: Yes, it makes me want to spit bullets. Yes, but it's super important, and I'm glad that we got a chance to talk about them, and especially some of the stuff that you talked about. Like this was not a case where they then had community they could go to and have any support, any kind of support, any kind. No, Nothing. they became a ghoul to everyone. Yeah, it's terrible. And thus, terribly important to talk
5: about. Absolutely. It writes like a nightmare because it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually feel a little bit weird jumping to my next show. What do you have for
4: your well, next show? Mine is also a little bit weird, <laughs> but I wanted <laughs> to make sure we gave time and gravity to the more serious topic before we got to a s- one that I loved because it was silly. Because right. so, you know I'm talking about William Cunningham. Uh, okay, so... Will is he your third as well? He's
5: not, but I'll tell you, William Cunningham is my first. I have two honorable mentions. Um, <laughs> and I wrote my honorable mentions before I actually picked my shows. And he is number one. I'm looking at my sheet right here. William Cunningham, thank you for giving us the prequel to Weekend at Bernie's. Is right? That, that is what I wrote about him.
4: <laughs> I mean...
5: It's a joke for a terrible... that's happening in this episode but i think that by the time the season came around and we were talking about william cunningham and he was dressing his corpses and pretending they were talking it was too much for me it was that's the (laughs) part that i
4: love it's not even like i can understand him (laughs) disguising a corpse to look like a passenger but then to stage (laughs) fake arguments with them
5: you're drinking too much tom
4: <laughs> sort of spectacular. Yeah, sort of weird as hell.: oh, absolutely. but also ingenious. Right. At the same time, like, I really wish we had insight into his mental state. Was he just having fun at work? Was he so cunning that he was like, "No, I really need to sell this lie because that's what's going to keep people from ever suspecting that. <laughs> or was he a little? not grounded in reality and maybe part of him was like <laughs> maybe a
5: little, little bit of all of these a things. little
4: loopy doopy in a way that made him talk to dead people as though they were alive right we don't know can
5: only guess but i do really like this the accounts of other people who would we i think we had one or two in the episode where one of them i believe was a doctor and he's this is just a sight to see rolling through town he's <laughs> and i'm sure it was i mean <laughs> Uh, But one of the things about Old Connie that I really did like was his dissection at the end. Some of these body snatchers never become a cadaver for a school, even though they provided a lot of cadavers for schools. But I kind of liked him in the sense uh, also that he was like, sure, whether it was whether he sold his own body or his wife sold his body to the school, I think that was an appropriate place for him to have his ending. That seems like the
4: correct. That seems like the correct end. It does. So now that I made the awkward transition from very serious to very silly, what is yours?
5: Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, taking one little the team right here. <laughs> one of us has to. So my, I could not walk away from this season without somehow as an honorable mention, and I flipped back and forth between William Cunningham and this man. Without mentioning the Chicago counterfeiters and their scheme to snatch Lincoln's corpse in the Big Jim Canale episode. And the reason why I felt like I was going to actually put him in my list of three instead of an honorable mention is because all I can really say about his story was that he managed to include an undercover Secret Service (laughs) informant in his plans. And that none of it worked out in the end. For his no. group, anyway. It was a nice little criminal story for the, uh, the Civil War that had nothing really to do with burking or pulling people out of graves. It just had to do with right. tool misuse and informants.
4: It's a really sloppy heist story. Absolutely. I love when the authorities accidentally started shooting each other. Because they were so confused.
5: <laughs> right? Like, I'm on a roof, you're on the ground, let's just shoot at each other, even though we were the same people. And like, there was one account where they were so excited about getting out there, I might have mentioned this in the episode, that tell had been, and, and they run out to get to, to intercept the heist, and they're wearing socks because they all had just been hanging around for so long, that they, waiting for this to happen, that they weren't actually prepared for what they had completely prepared themselves for all day. <laughs> So I would say that two of my three really were non-resurrection men stories because I liked when we broke out of that a little bit. Yeah. That was my number three. Jim was my, th- was my third because his heist was just so ridiculous I had to include it on my list. <laughs> oh, man. Do you have honorable mentions for the shows in this season?
4: I only have one. And it's William Jansen. And it's really oh, okay, only yeah. because he stole the same corpse twice.
5: Oh, my God. That's the best part of his <laughs> story. And
4: then I stole
5: <laughs> it again down the street.
4: <laughs> I just love that level of tenacity. Oh, you like, know, you're not right? going to wrong me. I will take that corpse right back. Thank you. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. I
5: don't work for you. I sell to you. So I did actually have a second honorable mention, but it was a joke because it was a joke for you. My honorable mention is that show we didn't do about the Groucho Marx joke. It was a skull episode. We were researching and we discovered they were mostly skulls and not all just ransomed bodies. But like, I just, I also think that could have been a good funny, in some instances, episode for this season... Awkward and funny. I remember two words that we could use. Sure, there. sure. So that is me
4: on shows. Same. Uh, before we get into our top three drinks of Buzzard season, why do you say we take a quick break for a word from our sponsor? Sounds good.
1: Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret.
3: don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us
0: this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
5: Welcome back to Criminalia. Top three cocktails and mocktails coming right up.
4: Okay, so I'm actually going to start my cocktail favorites list with one that overlaps with my honorable mention from my favorite shows list, and that is the William Jansen Ticklish Assistant. Oh, oh my God. That's my first one. Episode two, William (laughs) Jansen
5: Ticklish Assistant. And let me tell you why. I'm going to completely interrupt you on this one. Great. I picked this drink because this drink is weird as hell.
4: (laughs) But Delicious.
5: And it's worth putting all of your weird drink together. And I will also point out that this is a drink that I stepped out of my land of egg white fears and tried. I know. Look at that.
4: And did you enjoy it?
5: I did enjoy it. And I apologize for calling it weird I really love an
4: egg white in a drink. Like, it gives it such a velvety mouthfeel. But to remind people before we keep waxing rhapsodic about egg whites, (laughs) the ticklish assistant starts with a sprig of fresh rosemary, You put it in your shaker, you give it a press with the muddler, you're breaking it up so the flavor and the oils of it can get involved in the drink, and then you add three quarters of an ounce of limoncello, three quarters of an ounce of whiskey, I used Irish whiskey, three quarters of an ounce of gin, so there's a lot of alcohol in this, and then a splash of simple or vanilla syrup, that's optional, a drop of liquid smoke, and then one egg white. And then you shake it and then you strain it over ice and you could top it with ginger ale and your egg white gets really bubbly and it becomes very meringue. And then you can always do a little rosemary garnish. If you wanted to do the mocktail version, you use two ounces of cold coffee, one ounce of lemon juice, a half ounce of simpler vanilla syrup, that same magical drop of liquid smoke and your egg white. I love this
5: drink. <laughs> this is an unexpected, like, you, every time I look at the list of ingredients on this drink, I go, oh, hell no. But, like, <laughs> and yet, I can recommend that you should try it. It's not an oh, hell no. It's definitely a drink that you want to do.
4: I have been enjoying playing with liquid smoke in a lot of stuff lately that you will never hear about because I've been doing experiments and some work and some don't. But I really do like what it can do to a spirit it brings out some interesting things in different spirits if you have for gin which is in this drink obviously it does something very interesting because the that liquid smoke flavor with that juniper flavor of the gin is a shockingly interesting combination yeah it's pretty yummy it's not all stuff i would normally put together Uh -uh. and i don't know how i decided that those should live in a beverage together but there they were and I'm telling you, if you're scared of egg white, I am. You haven't tried it. Follow my it's lead. It's worth giving it a try, cause boy, is it yummy! The whole
5: part about it, I find disgusting. But when it's frothed up properly, and it gives you that, like, it's real life is this like velvety ness in it in your drink. It that part, like maybe if somebody just made it for me and handed it to me, I would be way, way more pro egg white in drinks than I am. But when I prep it myself, I'm like, oh, there's that. Oh, there's
4: such a- <laughs> I absolutely do understand if you're thinking about it in its form as it comes out of the shell that you'd be like, I don't wish to have that in a drink. Thank you. And I agree. Um, <laughs> but it does, it froths up so beautifully. And of course, I also love a flip with a whole egg in it. Sometimes like a cognac flip is so good. And I'm never one of those people that would like, you know how you'll occasionally hear people talk about drinking raw eggs oh, yeah. so they get like, their huge protein blast of the day or whatever. <laughs> or perhaps their guest for Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. He drinks a lot of flips, I guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow when you shake them with a little alcohol and they get fluffy and become something else, it's a different thing. Again, we'll put in our little disclaimer of, hey, you're still consuming a raw item. Be careful. Safety procedures. If you are pregnant, you probably shouldn't be drinking this drink anyway. But Unless you want to do the mocktail version, but probably not a great idea. I think those are usually verboten for <laughs> raw eggs. I think so. Not allowed. I don't know the rules, but I know that it is often said recommended for Holly. Yes. Holly can have <laughs> all of them. What they should all say at the <laughs> if bottom. you are
5: pregnant, please give this to Holly. Like she I will know. drink it
4: and be very happy. <laughs> All right, Miss Maria, what was your second one since we both had the same first Okay,
5: so my second one was from my honorable mention in the shows, Old Gunny and his corpse juice. And it's basically, I had to pick it because of two reasons. One, I am a watermelon fiend. Like, I, if it's, I'm like, I'll try it. Watermelon? Okay, bring it to me. But it's got bits. I could not, not pick the drink from his show. His show in particular had to have the drink that had bits.
4: (laughs) And it's delicious. Do you want to walk us through what's involved?
5: Correct me if I am wrong here. It's an ounce and a half of vodka I have written down. Fruit infused, if that's what you're down with. Ginger ale, but I don't have the ounces of ginger ale. I'm going to go with probably four to six. Four-ish. And then you pour in your finely chopped watermelon slurry, I guess we could call
4: it. That's it. It's the easiest, the easiest... Looks like viscera, tastes like summer. That's the note I gave myself on it.
5: (laughs) Underneath mine, I have episode six, old cunty corpse juice. It's got bits.
4: (laughs) I had actually picked this one, but I knew you were going to pick it. So I have others ready. Okay,
5: Yeah, it's not. If it's got bits, I won't 100% pick it. But if it's got watermelon, the odds are real, real good.
4: Listen, and there are some very good watermelon-infused vodkas on the market right now. So it's a fun time to experiment with those. Or you can try a counter flavor and add the watermelon and get... To like know. watermelon. <laughs> it's always a fun time to like watermelon. I, I literally eat gallons of watermelon I know,
5: right? <laughs> a like, week, I think. I'm like waiting for peak season. I'm like, oh, and I'll maybe have to make a Bits drink again. Like, I'm like...
4: <laughs> so good. So since you picked the same one as me, my next one is from the Burke and Hare episode, and it's the shortcut. Oh, yes. Because it is a very basic little cocktail, but the elements all bring out the complexity of each other. It's just two ounces of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of Rose's lime syrup, so that's a sweetened lime syrup, and then three quarters of an ounce of Amaretto. So it's based roughly on a gimlet, but it's definitely a shift on a gimlet. (laughs) (laughs) I
5: looked at this drink quite a bit and actually didn't, I didn't go in that direction because there was one that was just a little bit stronger, but I did look at this one because I was like a good drink. It's a good drink. It just didn't make it to my list.
4: Yeah, it's so basic. And it's one of those things I don't associate amaretto and lime as things that would go together. Oh
5: my God, they're like on opposite sides for me. And like in my brain, somehow they curdle, even though they don't.
4: And I think I mentioned in the episode, the moment I realized they could go together was thanks to a bartender at a bar that I really love in Disney World called Abracadabra. Uh-huh. And he and I were chatting one night and it was getting late. It was getting past closing. And he was like, no, you can hang out and I'll keep making you stuff because we were having fun discussing variations. And he was like, do you like gimlets? And I said, yes. And he was like, I want to try something. And he added amaretto to a gin gimlet and it was really good. And I was like,
5: I can imagine I would be watching that going Oh, I don't know. I'm going to drink it. Oh, no, it's he didn't polite. let
4: me see the pour. Like, oh, okay. I had to try it, and then <laughs> it was one of those. It <laughs> right. was, we had reached that level of, no, I'm going to make experiments if you're going to pay for me to make experiments. <laughs> but he was absolutely right. It was super interesting. Nothing I would put together, and I loved how they countered each other in the drink. So that's really, like, part of what inspired the shortcut. Called that because it's so easy and fast, it throws together in seconds, but it Tastes so much more complex than what it is that I I love it.
5: I will move us along to my next one, if you're ready. I chose the drink from episode nine, which is Dr. Joseph Warren, and it is called The Secret Society. And I
4: thought you might pick this one. I picked it
5: not. I know there are there are previous seasons where I've picked drinks just because I'm like, hey, I like whiskey and the other stuff in here is okay. This drink, i picked (laughs) not because it has whiskey in it. I picked it because of the ten fat blueberries on the list. I so knew it. I was so int- like interested in that. I couldn't not pick it. So this is, and, I, and it is written this way: ten fat blueberries, a <laughs> half an ounce of lemon juice. Sorry, I do not have my glasses on. Or half an ounce of simple syrup, an ounce of whiskey, and I believe it was four or five ounces of hard cider that went into this. For yeah, the, you uh, prep
4: all of those ingredients yeah. before the hard cider. Put them in a glass and then top it with the hard cider. If you try to add it to the mix and shake it with hard cider, a disaster will take place because there's fizziness and that's (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) I'd
5: be wrong. I did not write down my apologies. I did not write down what the mocktail version of this is. Do you happen to know?
4: For the mocktail on this one, I believe the sub out is one ounce of black tea for the whiskey. And then I would do a non-alcoholic sparkling cider instead of the hard cider. It's super easy trade out because so much of it is really about the fruit and the lemon together and what that does that makes it very easy. That is such a delicious drink.
5: I am not, like, we've talked about this before. I'm like, lemon juice and whiskey, I don't, okay, whiskey sours side. I just, in my brain, I'm like, there's a, I've got a... I've got a glass of whiskey and someone just shot some lemon juice in it and I don't want to drink that. That's where I go with it. And the blueberries were a surprise because they were a happy surprise. They ended up on the list and muddling is always the favorite to do. As well. Who
4: doesn't love to muddle? I mean, come on, right? My third one is from the Canali Gang episode and it is nonconforming distiller because I was glad that we played with moonshine this season. Me too.
5: That was really unexpected and
4: fun. That never comes um, up anywhere. for this one it's an ounce and a half of moonshine three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice three quarters of an ounce of hibiscus syrup and then you shake that with ice strain it over fresh ice and you top it with four ounces of unsweetened apple juice it's so refreshing and yummy and moonshine as i said in that episode Really is a pretty good neutral spirit now that we are in an era when you could just buy moonshine in a reputable liquor store and it's not going to turn blind. You don't have to worry about its content or what might be in it. Go to your local liquor store, get something yummy. I will say this. I am already, of course, you know, it's summer. So yeah. I'm thinking about Halloween.
5: Yeah. Holly thinks about Halloween every <laughs> day of the year. So this is really nice. No to 24-7, 365.
4: <laughs> in case anyone was thinking about an autumnal variation oh. on this. I have you ready because I I may or may not have mentioned in that episode, I really love, I think the brand is Old Smoky. I don't remember. We're not sponsored by any of these liquors that we mentioned, but they make a pumpkin pie moonshine that is available usually in the fall. And if you use the pumpkin pie moonshine and instead of hibiscus syrup, you do a pumpkin or an apple or a cinnamon syrup on this, you're going to have the best autumn sip. The apple juice adds to it and it's just delicious. So I'm ready for Halloween drinks with that. If you want to do a mocktail version of this, you are obviously not going to use moonshine. (laughs) And I would actually combine, almost like an Arnold Palmer, I would do a combination of the apple juice and a lemonade and add that hibiscus syrup to it. And that is also just a beautiful, easy to sip, perfect year round. love. So non-conforming distiller is Is my my third. third choice.
5: I did have one honorable mention, but it's it's because I love when you do a choose your own adventure drink. So I needed to somehow add that to my list. And so that is Andreas Vesalius, where it is, I believe, mostly pale ale and ginger beer. But then there was just this choose your own syrup. And it really went anywhere from rose syrup to habanero to mango to whatever you might want. And I thought that was just that's just a refreshing, easy little thing to throw together all the time. He had to get an honorable mention from me.
4: Yes, that's an easy one. And that's another one that's easy to sub out instead of pale ale, use lemonade. And it's another great summer one. I really wanted to love that one because I was trying to reclaim any ability to enjoy beer. No shade to the beer lovers. (laughs) I I still would not have put it on my list of favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Although I think the mocktail, I probably would because it's quite tasty.
5: The mocktail sounds, I have not had it, but the mocktail with the lemonade and ginger beer and the syrup sounds like great summer drink all around year drink but summer drink too since the summer <laughs>
4: <laughs> i know it is for most of the u.s i think right now which is of course where we are a, an especially blistering hot summer so any of the mocktails that can get you a little chilled refreshment are probably a great uh, a great help in these triple digit temperatures many of us are having not the most fun we are so grateful yes. for you joining us this season on Criminalia. We are going to roll straight from talking about those body snatchers to those who betrayed their country. That's right, traitors. Just like other seasons, there is no wait. We will see you right back here next week. And just as a little extra thank you, if you've been listening from the beginning, you are 100 episodes into Criminalia, and we are so grateful to have you along for this ride. Yay!
2: Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an easy-breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with easy-breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328
3: Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today.